Welcome to Hello Health Today, where health is a leadership strategy. I'm Dr. Carmen Mohan. I have on teleconference with me today, mindful running guru, Eleanor Fish. She's here as part of our self-care for leaders under fire series to talk about resilience, because unfortunately she's all too familiar with what it means to really burn out. Since we've spent the last few weeks trying to protect the resilience capacity of leaders by encouraging everyone to take at least three steps for self-care every day, I'm so glad we have Eleanor here to share what happens when we don't heed the warning signs telling us we're burning out. That said, this is the first time I've regretted the fact that our show is not distributed in a visual format because if you've never met Eleanor before, you just don't know how she glows. You have to see it to believe it, guys. I've always thought it's because Eleanor invests in good self-care, and I'm so ready to learn more. Eleanor Fish is a writer, speaker, and educator whose mission is to lead runners to better health through mindful running. Over her 17-year career in running and wellness, her articles, programs, workshops, and retreats have helped thousands of runners make their running a mindfulness practice to reduce their stress and bring their best selves to their roles as parents, professionals, caregivers, and leaders. Ten years ago, she founded Run Wild Retreats, and Wellness, a travel company that specializes in women's running and wellness retreats around the world, gradually growing it to an international tour operation employing five dynamite women and a network of running guides around the world. Eleanor is a Canadian expat who now lives in the Colorado Rocky Mountains with her husband and son. She moved from Canada to the U.S. 15 years ago to work on staff at Trail Runner magazine during a time when her own competitive running was reaching new heights and when she was competing in events up to 100 miles in running in places like Patagonia and the Swiss Alps. Yet Eleanor's relationship to running hasn't always been about competition and adventure. Running has also served as the means by which she has coped with chronic autoimmune disease for over two decades, survived the tragic loss of a loved one, and overcame adrenal fatigue and chronic stress. These difficult, life-changing experiences made her curious about exactly what it is about running that can be so healing, transformative, de-stressing and uplifting, even under the most difficult of circumstances. These experiences were the inspiration behind Run Wild Retreats and Wellness. Eleanor is also the founder of the Healthy Runners Community, an online space that brings the practice of mindful running to even more runners around the world. Eleanor, welcome to the show. Thanks, Carmen. I'm so happy to be here with you today. It was really great being on your, your webcast last week. What a great group. Yeah, it was it was really wonderful. Our healthy runners community is, you know, just so hungry for the kind of wisdom and inf- and information and stuff that you love to talk about too. <laughs> Indeed, I loved being surprised by Jeff Galloway joining in. I was shocked. I was like, "Oh, Jeff, hi!" <laughs> I know that was incredible. <laughs> you He's know, a legend. <laughs> I know he really is. I was like, Jeff, wow. You know who else joined um, is the director for The Race named Tess Sobo Mahin Marshall. She's been a guest on the show before, and she's a bright light for distance runners, especially here in Atlanta. And I hope you get to meet her one day. I want to introduce you guys. Oh, that would be great. So how are things going in Colorado? Well, it's a beautiful time of year. It's one of my favorite times of year for trail running here in Colorado because it's not yet super hot, but the the trails are are mostly accessible, and it's it's just kind of that emergence from winter, and especially this winter, um, it just feels so great to be spending so much more time on the trails and in the warm sunshine, and um, yeah, it's really it's unbelievably beautiful because there's still snow up on the high mountains, but then our trails down in the valleys are, are nice and dry. Wow, that's amazing. You know, you kind of blew my mind. You know that you introduced me to trail running. I've been an urban, you know, concrete runner for 25, 27 years or so. So tell us the difference between what I do and the way I run and trail running. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I just feel that trail running is a, is a totally different kind of experience. And it's one of the reasons why I love 
having run wild retreats, uh, our, our travel company, because I love introducing more runners like you that are used to running in urban spaces, you know, into the experience of running in, in nature and not just in nature, but like, like running on a dirt surface on a trail is so different and uses the body in different ways. And I just find it so much more engaging mentally and, and easier on the body. It seems less stressful, like less, less impact on the body and and then just so much more engaging because you really have to pay attention to uh, where you're stepping so that you don't trip over a rock or a root and there's so much more to look at uh, because of the the natural surroundings and so I just find as a running experience it's it's just a totally different kind of thing and and so so much more enriching and rewarding. (laughs) You know, so here's the thing. When I I was starting to tap out actually in running, I don't know if you know that before the Iceland retreat, I've forgotten what year it was when I met you in Iceland for that particular retreat. And I went there to really get recharged. And I will say that before I went on that retreat with, with which you facilitated so brilliantly, um, I was a dissociative runner. So where I would I used running to kind of get into that running flow. And I wasn't necessarily paying attention mindfully to what was going on in my surroundings or inside my own body. Is that an experience you've had said to you before, since you know so many runners? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I think that's why a lot of runners turn to, you know, music or listening to something while they run, um, because it, it is, you know, there's a this idea that zoning out, like, oh, running is a great way to kind of zone out or like you say, disassociate. Um, and, you know, and that I think has limited benefits for runners um, because it means you're really not present in the in the moment, in the experience of running and really like turning attention toward what you're feeling in your body rather than trying to block out what you're feeling in your body. And, uh, and, and that's why I love the practice of mindful running because it is, it is the, it is an opportunity to, to really be present with, with what you're feeling and experiencing and, and, and getting more joy from it in that way. You know, I, I think when people want to tune out, um, during a run, it's, it's because there's some kind of discomfort in their body or maybe even boredom with just the run itself. Um, but it doesn't have to be like that. Uh, there are things that, that, that runners can do to, to, to reduce the pain, like to, to make it so it's not a painful activity. Cause if there's pain, there's, that's a bad sign, you know, really it should feel, it should feel really wonderful. And, um, and uh, can be so much more rewarding. You know, there's a lot of science behind what you've intuited, but I, I will say, you know, just the fact that running over that amazing landscape next to the ocean in Iceland where the moss actually is springy, running on like a springboard that nature made, I was like whooping in joy. And it was the first time I had felt that much joy while running. Um, And at that juncture, I I had been a runner easily 20 years. So I really appreciate what you've done for me. I'm so excited to share your intuitive knowledge um, in running. But I have to say, when you run 100 miles at once, you don't dissociate over all that time. How long does it take to do that? Yeah, so I'll admit my my ultra running days are are over, but there was a period of time there because I mean I've been a runner almost my whole life, right? So that's like thirty years really. Uh, running has played a big role in my life, and so a portion of that time, yes, I was really into fifty milers and hundred milers. And keep in mind, this is the time at which also I was working for. Trail Runner magazine, and so I was surrounded by these athletes, and and that's what everyone was doing, and so I felt like, well, I should I should do this too. This sounds great. There's all these great races around where I live here in Colorado, and this is what this is the thing, right? So, so I, I dove in, and and I I mean the culture of of running these ultra distances is it's an amazing culture, and actually a lot of that experience I bring to the retreats. 
um, in terms of just that culture and that camaraderie between the runners. I love that aspect of ultra running so much that that's what I, I, I brought that into the retreat experience and, and how we lead them. Um, but as for how to just like run a hundred miles, well, yeah, there's a lot of pain involved in that. (laughs) (laughs) And there's a reason why I don't do it anymore. Um, but, uh, it, it, what, what is really amazing about that experience is it, 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 it's a journey that is so, it takes you deep into yourself and, and exposes, like it peels away all your outer layers. It peels away your ego. And, and all you have left is just the simple act of putting one foot in front of the other and nothing else matters. Absolutely nothing else. And, um, you know, there's a reason why ultra marathon runners have support crews and they have aid stations along the way. And that's to keep them safe and to make sure that, you know, they're, uh, they're doing well enough physically and mentally to, to keep in that process. But really, you know, in the latter stages of those ultra endurance races, yeah, you're, you're, you're just stripped down to your bare essence and it's all you can do to just keep moving forward. And I think what I really, what appealed to me about that process was that it, it it's, it's like a forced mindful running experience because you can't worry about um there's so much that you can't worry about that is beyond your control and when you're going through that deep level of exhaustion when you've been on your feet for 24 hours or over 24 hours literally um uh, all day and all night and into the next morning <laughs> like I was and uh you can't you can't be thinking about anything else and and all your you develop this very sort of single pointed focus of just keep moving forward and um and there's something actually incredibly mindful about that and but what i took from it was that you know it's not really not necessary to push yourself to such a physical extreme to still get that mindful state. And so now even when I go for a run for an hour, uh, you know, like I did this morning on our local trails here, I just tried to, there was a lot on my mind (laughs) this morning and a lot that I am kind of like trying to work through. Um, But I just thought, well, what if I just focused on putting one foot in front of the other and just focused on this next little bit of trail, this next little bit of trail and, and use that as sort of my, my point of focus to just let go of everything else for just this period of time and, and just do that. And there's something just incredibly calming about that whole process. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, one of the reasons I asked you on as a guest today is because there's a big analogy with our leaders who feel so stressed right now with so much going on, um, both in their personal lives, the way that the world's been turned upside down by the pandemic, and not being able to see the mountain range of tasks in front of them and things that need to be done. And it's a lot like running an ultra marathon in terms of uh, the strength and resiliency that is required And what I love about what you've said is how you had a support team while you were trying to do this really, really hard thing that very few people in the entire world have ever attempted, let alone women, right? So um, I want you to know that you're right at home in terms of people who understand what it means to be stripped down by the fact that you have to just keep moving forward despite so much uncertainty and how many hard things are potentially ahead. And being in the moment is basically the only choice that you have. (laughs) So I know you know a thing or two about self-care and its value to leadership. Sounds like this morning was interesting and that running was part of your self-care. What would you say to the woman who uses exercise as the only time that she gets to herself? Like, is running the only way that you take care of yourself? Well, um, I mean, that's the thing thing I love about self-care, this concept, because it can take so many forms. And, you know, running is one of my favorite ways. 
to to practice self-care but it's definitely not the only thing I use and um in fact, there was there's been points in my life where I was so extremely exhausted and and overwhelmed with stress that um, that I thought I needed to do everything <laughs> in order to overcome it, and and I, I really should kind of tell a story a little bit uh, to to really paint the full picture, if you don't mind. I can oh, uh, kind of share that it. that period of time because I think it Ooh. really illustrates this. You know, and it it was it was a it was about ten years ago, and I was I was training for this hundred miler, the the Leadville Trail one hundred here in Colorado, and my son was only a year and a half year old, so he was you know needed a lot of my time and attention, and I had a full time marketing job, um, and I was creating run wild retreats and organizing our first retreat of the summer. And, um, so I was juggling all these different things and, um, and it, it was really exhausting. And as the months went on and I, you know, post race, like I, I, after finishing the hundred miler and then continuing the work and the side gigs and the parenting and all this stuff, I never recovered from the race. I never, I never felt my fitness, my energy rebound. And I just got more and more tired and tired as the months went on. And, um, you know, and my stress levels, like I just became, had a very low tolerance for stress. Like any little problem would just send me absolutely uh, mentally crazy with stress, just really, you know, upset or freaked out or just overwhelmed. And I mean, it didn't take much. Plus throughout all this, I wasn't sleeping um, at all. Like it was really bad. Like I would wake up at one or two and then I would be awake until five. And then I would sleep from like five to six thirty, and it was awful. Like I was just so burned out and so exhausted, and it got to the point where I just couldn't do anything. And I ended up like laying in bed for an entire weekend, like literally did not want to get out of bed, couldn't face the world, couldn't deal with anything. And um, you know, my husband said he's like, "You you need to do something about this. Like you can't go on like this." And, and that was really the wake up call that I, I needed to, to realize that, um, what I was doing was completely unsustainable. It just, in terms of how hard I was pushing myself and, and trying to juggle all these different things and, and trying to still be a runner, but not really figuring out why I, my running was so crap at that time. And it was just because I was so stressed, stressed out. And, uh, and so I, I kind of launched like head first into a whole new wellness regime. And I was going to do it all perfectly. I was going to have the perfect diet. I was going to have the meditation practice. I was going to um, go to yoga class like three times a week. And I was going to do all the things. And the next thing I knew, well, I was overwhelmed and burned out and exhausted again, because I was trying to spend all this time in the kitchen, preparing all these healthy meals from scratch and go to all the classes and do everything right. And, and, it was like my my self-care practice became just another huge responsibility that I was failing at. And, and so I, I realized this isn't going to work either. Like, this is ridiculous. Uh, and so I thought, I, I finally paused and I said, okay, what's one thing, one thing I can do? And I it just kind of became really clear that I just said mindfulness, like just practice mindfulness. And at that time, like I couldn't sit on a meditation cushion. So I'm not talking about meditation. I mean, I am, I am a like hyper driven, like go, go, go until I drop with exhaustion kind of person. Like I always need to be busy and productive and, and I know how to push myself. That's how I get through those those ultra marathons. Keep going, keep going, keep going. Um, but it doesn't serve me well in real life all the time. So, so when I settled on mindfulness, it was just like, what do I like? What it was about listening, really. It was about listening to what my body was trying to tell me, and that became my my number one wellness practice. So sometimes it was, it meant recognizing that I didn't have the energy to go for a run, but I could go for a walk and just do that as my alone time. 
or to to just listen to what my body was telling me like wow I really think I need protein like I'm just craving more protein so it's like okay well I'll just like eat more protein or whatever but just really slowing down enough to practice listening to my body and and letting myself just, um, you know, go to bed earlier at night or sleep in later. Uh, see, I had been trying to become a 6am runner and I just embraced the fact I am not a 6am runner. I do not get up early to go for a run ever. <laughs> and I just embraced that and accepted that. And, and, you know, so that was one more thing that just helped me overall because at the end of the day, I, I was getting more sleep because I wasn't trying to get up early and go meet the, these people that are super keen 6 a.m. runners because that's obviously just didn't work for me. So there, so it just became about really deciding what was going to work for me, even if it meant, you know, not making all of my meals from scratch, but getting prepared meals that I felt good about eating and that I felt good about my family eating and that sort of thing. Setting boundaries with with my son, you know, like, well, now he's older, so it's a lot easier, but uh, <laughs> just, yeah, setting, setting boundaries and saying, mom's got to take care of herself first, you know, like, hey, I'm in the bath, the door is locked, I'll talk to you later, <laughs> <laughs> you know, or whatever it, whatever it took. But um, there were a lot of things that went into it. But what I stopped trying to do was trying to do everything, basically. You know, it's really interesting, because I know that a lot of women can relate to just, we're ambitious. We want to do it. We want to do it all. And, and being ambitious is something that makes us us. So I would identify with being ambitious myself and also being the doctor who takes care of ambitious women and helping them fuel that ambition so that we help make you know, manifest the positive impact that women can be. And so I guess my question for you is how, you know, how did you learn this lesson where the signal to slow down was not going to be an absolute collapse in an unsustainable system that was in place telling you to go, go, go all the time? Like, how did you you know, how did you learn to set those boundaries? Because I would suggest to you that in the work environment right now, right now, especially now that we're working from home, one of the biggest challenges women are facing is that there is an option to literally work 24-7 because the natural boundaries have been completely eliminated. Um, and so there's no transition time. There's no traffic to help us out. You know, we don't get an hour in a car anymore to transition from work back to home or just these, these things that have crumbled. Like the fact that kids are not going to school, um, down here in, in Georgia has just obliterated the bathroom door, you know? <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, it's really, I think valuable, like you say, to recognize, those lack of uh, boundaries and transition times and, and how our world's work and home are just all mushed together right now. I, I, I've been struggling with that myself, uh, obviously, like everyone um, for the last few months. It's really hard. And even before the pandemic, like I often worked from home. I mean, most of the time I work from home. And uh, so, yeah, so even before this, I, I would constantly feel that clashing of, of um, you know, my son's coming home from school and wants my attention, but I'm not finished my work day yet and I got to keep going and, and how to really set those boundaries. So um, it's a really hard thing to do for sure. Um, and, uh, and, you know, I, I, I feel that urge to, to get a lot done and to feel like I, I don't want to, I don't want to end the day feeling like oh, I should have gotten more done today. Uh, so there's always, always more to do. And it can be so hard to set those boundaries, whether it's with employers or with ourselves. And, um, and so, you know, I, I think that there's opportunities to carve out those little moments. Um, and at least that's, that's how I try to look at it. So when I think of what is my mindfulness practice, it's, it's about recognizing what I need today to, to perform better, you know, for example, uh, just the other day, um, I had a couple of 
meetings in the morning and it kind of brought up like a whole new set of problems. It's like, oh, I didn't know I had to solve these problems. And now I just, and it just like overwhelmed my brain. And I thought, I can't, I can't focus on anything because now I I just have so much to deal with that I, I can't even figure out where to begin. So I left the office and I put on my hiking shoes and I went to a trail and I just went for a two hour vigorous hike. Um, you just, just popped out of the house, just went for a two hour vigorous hike. That's awesome. <laughs> Anybody listening, that is what we all need to do. <laughs> Yeah. Well, amazing. And, yeah. And, I mean, there's been plenty of times where I would like force myself to just put my butt in the seat and sit at the computer and say, start chipping away at all the these things that you need to get done. But then, you know, at, but I knew that like, it was going to be a struggle. Like it wasn't going to be that productive. So knowing that now about myself and, and I thought, you know what, I just, I just have to go. I just got to go. So, yeah. So I think seeing every day is an opportunity to find those moments of, um, whether it's a short moment, you know, or a long one, like I took two hours off on Thursday, but that's not typical. Sometimes it's just, Uh, 15 minutes, I'm going to go outside and like dig in the garden and try and clear my head or think through a better response to this situation or, um, you know, what, what are even just the small moments? Um, and actually there's so many cool practices that I've been learning about. One of our recent, um, guest speakers on our healthy runner speaker series talked to us about, uh, breathing and just the simple practice of how controlled breathing exercises can can help um, uh, help kind of calm the nervous system and and get mental clarity and and just help us feel better in those in those stressful moments. So I, I like those like little simple practices that can be done anywhere, anytime. Absolutely, I love that. So by by this kind of mindfulness, um, these sets of mindfulness techniques, would you say that the true benefit is that you're able to create a pause between the stimulus of feeling overwhelmed or stressed, whatever that stimulus is, and your response to it? Because you you move your body. That's what you do. You, you move your body and that creates the pause because you've separated, you've, you've learned to separate out somehow when you, when you hit this trigger that you're going to go and be mindful. It's really interesting. Do you think that that's, that's what is powerful about the way you practice in those smaller moments? Yes. And, and I'll, I'll admit the last few years, I've been really focusing on what to do after the pause, you know, like, uh, or to, to, to find the space to go and, um, you know, what activities are going to help me, uh, just calm down or, or get clear or, you know, feel better or that sort of thing. But what I've realized I didn't really do very well was to actually recognize the, the stress stimulus itself. And so that is something as I, turn more now to to studying leadership and trying to understand what it really means to be a leader. I'm starting to get better at recognizing when I'm being triggered (laughs) because that's what I wasn't really noticing necessarily was um, was uh, just how uh, how I what is my what are my typical responses say to to being triggered by something. Um, And so I've been looking at that more closely and starting to understand like those moments when I feel say just overwhelmed by the amount of work or if I feel if I'm starting to feel really judgmental towards someone like hey she's really not pulling her weight around here she or you know or looking at a staff member and and being like god I really wish this person would would step up and just like try and solve this problem instead of punting it over to me to fix it or whatever. And, and, um, and so I, I've learned to recognize that in those moments of, of judgment, uh, in those moments of me feeling overwhelmed or of me feeling resentful about something or, um, like it takes so many different forms, but to recognize, oh, I, I'm being triggered by this situation and it's causing me to react 
you know, in a poor way. And so before I respond to this person or this message, um, I need to step away and, and yeah, like deal with the physical response. Um, and especially under the incredible stressful times we're living in right now, it doesn't take much, right. To really feel triggered in, in, in a moment. And, and maybe in the past, I, it would have been so much easier to just deal with things as they come up. But these days, there's such this underlying anxiety um, that, that I think a lot of us uh, are triggered more easily. And so knowing that about ourselves and knowing how, how that response shows up um, and then before reacting to it, then finding that, that space, you know, can be so helpful. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, so within the Hello Health framework for leaders under fire, we call what you've learned to do intuitively. I keep calling you an intuitive because I really do think that's what you are, Eleanor. The way that you talk about coming to these new levels of self-awareness and the way that you've been able to help yourself use your body to help your mind, I find so incredible incredible to watch and to learn from. And it's a really different, um, you know, uh, like hands-on experience, um, that you offer in your retreat. So just even now with this conversation, I see that that is a form of your leadership style. It's really unique to you. I don't think I've, um, met anyone else like you, but within the hello health system, we call it naming the stress and naming what's going on. And, and you're saying that there's also triggers. So I should probably add that, like name your triggers that lead you to respond in a way that's not you showing up the way that you'd like to be in the world. Um, I love that one. And mm-hmm. how to create a pause through mindfulness is such a useful um, way for us to be present with what's going on instead of so future focused. It sounds like um, some of the things that are stressful to you include all of the information coming in, just the sheer amount of new information that has to be processed and that our minds have to, our very anxious, worried minds have to process is a huge thing. Um, Can you speak more to that and how it's influencing Run Wild Retreats and the Healthy Runners community? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, as a as a business owner that's been and with a business being so deeply impacted by the the pandemic, like I'm sure so many so many people are experiencing because there's no sector that hasn't been affected by this. Um, it's it's a lot for business owners and managers to take in, right? Um, trying to figure out trying to find some certainty or some uh, insight into what's going to happen next so that we can start to plan for the future. And it's so incredibly stressful to, to not really have anything solid to grasp onto because there's so many unknowns. And that's so, so ungrounding, I think, for us as, as business leaders. Um, and so one of the things that I've been trying to to focus on instead is is in what can I take away? Like, what can I, what can I do to simplify and, and focus? So, um, so we've actually been really looking at how to, um, you know, and in the business and then also too, like for me personally, just how can I simplify? And one of the things that I, I did was I actually the other weekend completely reorganized my office space. And what that meant was pulling out, like reams and reams of paperwork <laughs> that was just like cluttering my space. Talk about yeah. something I can identify with. <laughs> yes. Clutter. I'm like, uh, yeah. I'm like, you know what? Like there's a lot of stuff here that relates to the business as it was like six years ago. That's not relevant to where, the way it runs now. So, and like ditching old computer files and just like, really re-examining because what that did is it just created a mental and physical space for me to refocus on on what is going to help us you know move forward and and I actually found that an incredibly empowering process uh, of throwing away like armfuls of of junk and then reorganizing stuff I'm so jealous right (laughs) now you have no idea I need to do this it's an incredible (laughs) process it felt so good because I'm like 
All right. We're uh, yeah. So it was just it was symbolic to me of this idea of like focusing and simplifying. Um, so that too was it was a mindful exercise for me because it was like I just spent like the an entire Saturday. That's all I did. <laughs> You know, I don't think I actually ever have asked you what led you to start Run Wild Retreats. Like, yeah. do, is there a story to that? Yeah, well, there there is. I, I I was initially inspired to do it while I was working at Trail Runner Magazine, uh, which is it, it it's it's available throughout North America. It's a great little magazine that's really dedicated to the sport and culture of trail running, which has really grown a tremendous amount in the past uh, decade. And uh, so I, I was an editor there and, you know, loved, you know, loved working for this small company that was doing this amazing work and writing all these incredible stories about trail running. Um, but the one thing that was lacking in the experience for me was actually getting to interact with, with the readers, getting to interact with the, the people in the culture, um, as much as I wanted to, you know? And, um, and so I thought, and also too, at this time, it's changed a bit now, but at the time when I was there, 75% of the readership was male. And I was like, where are all the women? Why, why are there <laughs> yeah. more women out yeah. here trail running? Absolutely. Yeah. And even in the trail races, um, predominantly men, uh, very few women participating. And so I started Run Wild Retreats as a way to introduce trail running to more women. So at our first retreat, it was here in Colorado, and um, it was 18 women. And a lot of them flew in from out of the state. So, I mean, I was just amazed because uh, this was just a really short retreat. Um, Smart but, women. I like those women. Yeah, <laughs> but it just really showed me that there was a real mm. big demand for this kind of thing. So I went, was leading it as a trail running expert of like, here's how to modify your running form and your technique and how to pace yourself on the trails and all this kind of stuff. And, and we were doing that uh, out during our runs and it was super fun. But then we would go back to this lodge that we were all staying at and we'd be hanging out and, you know, sharing meals together and glasses of wine and all this fun stuff. And then these conversations would happen and the conversations were not about running. They were about our lives and, and uh, our experiences as women and how running helped us manage stress or, um, you know, how we felt it made us better people or more effective in these different roles that we all had. And I quickly realized, I'm like, oh, this is the juicy stuff. Like, this is the real heart of why we're here. It's because yeah. we have running in common. Yeah. That's what kind of brings the group together. But it's these deep personal conversations that that is the, the true heart of the retreat experience. So over the course of several years and my own health journey of, of, you know, burnout and just having to really embrace a more mindful approach to my own running, um, I, I brought that to the retreats and, um, and it became much, so I started to like over time sort of dial down the quote unquote run coaching and focus more and more on how to make the running a mindfulness practice um, because I knew how incredibly transformative that was for my own life. And I really wanted these women who were a lot like me and you um, to, to also have that experience. Cause I'm like, this is something that's going to be way more impactful on your life. Absolutely. Um, then, mm -hmm. then, you know, learning how to, uh, you know, how to, how to pace yourself on a, on a trail, you know? So, so it was, it's been really incredible. And now we have a whole sort of mindful running curriculum that is the heart of every retreat experience. And it's, it's so incredibly wonderful to get to share that with the women on the retreats. That is amazing. Wow. Can I just say, wow, you know, the, the stories that only women can share with each other, um, is, it's amazing to be, to have been part of them twice. Um, and to know that we need them and to know that they're, they're at risk, right? With, the, with all that's going on, right? So you, you spent all that time, right? This 
beautiful company and creating this cool curriculum that absolutely has added to my life and the lives of the women I've made friends with on these retreats. Um, and you spend all this time holding safe space for these, these connections and these stories. Um, how, how do they, how do we move forward? Is, is that why, um, healthy runners community online exists? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, the, the healthy runners community actually came about a few years ago because I, I really wanted to stay connected with people like you. Um, after the retreat was done, I, I didn't want us to all just go home and okay, that was it. Like, nice to meet you. Don't know if I'll ever see you again. <laughs> now you that we've connected deeply and we've forged uh, yes, strong bonds over exactly. mountains, literally. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, like you say, so, real friendships form on these trips. And, and I love all the women that come on these trips and wanted to stay connected with them. So I thought, well, you know, this is a great way for us to, to have a space to come together and still have these conversations about how mindful running is, is serving us and, and just getting ongoing support for continuing this practice because it is a practice, you know, it's not like something you learn once and then it's like, okay, I got it forever. Like I've mastered this. It's like, no, I mean, I'm still practicing myself every, every day, every week is like, an opportunity for me to revisit, uh, what it, I talk about every day with women. And, um, and now since the, the start of this year, as a result of the, of the pandemic, we've canceled four retreats and may have to cancel more. Oh, I'm sorry. And, yeah. And it, it really, it leaves, it's left this huge void. Um, and been, you know, it's very disappointing that we don't have that opportunity for connection, but what I've seen, come out of that though is is um, a huge surge in interest in our online community and and more people joining than ever um, because it is sort of the next best way for us to still come together and connect and have these deep meaningful conversations either around um, running itself a running as a mindfulness practice or just uh how running is helping us cope in other areas of our lives so i'm so grateful that we that we've already had this platform that was kind of you know kind of trucking along but now it's, <laughs> it's, it's really experiencing a resurgence um and an infusion of energy that i'm really excited about because it can it's not a substitute for actually going on a live retreat and spending time in these beautiful places with an amazing group of people, but um, it still can fill some of that, some of that void. So, so we talked about business challenges related to COVID. Are you having any personal challenges or new sources of stress that you'd be willing to share with us? Well, you know, I think the biggest thing for me, to be honest, is just that. I, this business has always been built on my personal passion for for running and for connection and the community of people that we built over the up over the years, ten years of leading retreats and 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 um, and it's it's I've really put my heart and soul into it over the years and it and, shows and it shows oh, and that yeah. that means and it's so much beautiful to me. <laughs> absolutely yeah and and so to to have to have, canceled all those retreats and to also look into our future and think well maybe what the way I thought this this company was going to go in the next few years might not be possible it's been really incredibly um disappointing like there's I've, I have definitely felt a huge sense of loss and I know a lot of people have been grieving different losses of their own as a result of this pandemic there's there's so many ways in which our our culture, our society is suffering. And then so for me, it's very sad <laughs> to, yeah, to yeah. think that, um, that first of all, this year isn't going to go the way I expected it to. And, and that I may have to rethink our future. And when I say that though, I know in my heart that it's not going to go away. Um, because first and foremost, Yes, we're a travel company, but we're also, we're a wellness company. And, and there's so much that we do outside of the retreats to support women on their mindful running journey that, um, that, uh, 
that there's so much we can still do and we can pivot and build around that. It's just it's just much more challenging circumstances um, within which we have to work like everybody. Um, so there's been a certain amount of, of grief over over uh, the last season that that's not going to fully be what we hoped, though uh, we are optimistic at least that our summer retreats have a chance of going. Oh, good, um, so good. yeah, so that's a huge relief. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think, I think it's just the, the stress of the, the loss of feeling like we worked all winter long to set up these trips and then to have to undo them and, uh, has been very sad. And then also too, we know a lot of our clients are under a lot of stress. And so, you know, trying to address their needs has been a very delicate process and, um, and sometimes we don't get it 100% right. And so if someone is disappointed with our solution or offer uh, to to make up for the cancellation of their retreat, if they're not entirely happy with that, and it just breaks my heart. <laughs> because, I'm sorry. Yeah, oh, no. because, yeah, everyone is just feeling this incredible amount of, of pressure right now. Absolutely. And you're the release valve. So (laughs) you're enduring everyone else's stress. Meanwhile, I just want to say one business owner to another, that when you run your own business, it's for me, it's a lot like having another child. And I love and care for this child and I want it to grow and succeed. It's like the same. I mean, okay, look, I, I love my kids. And there's nothing that can replace them, but it is this legacy, right? And this this work, this body that, you know, I think that we need to acknowledge that it's a certain and unique stress for business owners themselves that's occurring within all these other things that we're we're grieving. And just because it sounds so, it's not like someone that we love died. Um, it feels like it's almost like kind of being spoiled to acknowledge that that we're grieving that. Does that is it? Yeah, you're nodding at me, but <laughs> yes, no. I mean, I I totally agree like, with you, oh, Carmen. It's awful. <laughs> yes, it's yeah. like something. It it is almost like a a part of the the family. This this business that that is that has involved so much energy output over the years and it's not something that we want to just let go. So that's exactly it. And, and yeah, I agree. Um, so what I'm trying to do now is just be open to the opportunity that is still out there that is not completely known because there's still too many unknowns at this point. But, uh, but to know that, um, well, I, I really feel fortunate to have the support of a tremendous uh, community of people in the travel industry that are grappling with a lot of the same issues. Um, and so there's a lot of really wonderful wisdom uh, and information uh, being shared within uh, this travel industry to which I belong. And I'm so grateful for that because then that helps me kind of start to to look ahead and be open to whatever opportunities are trying to come. So so there's some days where I'm like super optimistic and fired up and 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 like oh you know what we're going to get through this it's going to be great it's going to be awesome and then there's other days where it's just like I can't deal with one more you know bit of bad news so I just can't right now you know um but I've really yeah, just try to, to, you know, work on, um, being a a better leader for myself first, because I've, you know, had to revisit this lesson in my own life over and over and over again. If I don't take care of myself, then I, I'm not going to be able to show up for anybody else. And right now, like I've got more staff, more, um, more supplier partners and more clients than ever. And, um, and there's, if I'm focusing on how I'm feeling and how, if, how I'm feeling overwhelmed, then I'm not able to show up and serve them. So when I start to feel that space, when I, when I'm, when all I can see is my own stress and overwhelm, then I know okay, I need to step back. I need to do some self-care, like what we were talking about earlier, 
so that I can shift my focus over to people that I'm serving rather than my own stress and overwhelm. Oh, it's so powerful and so powerful. One of the things I love about Run Wild Retreats in particular is the number of women you employ across the globe. It really feels, um, from what I know about it, as a company that was built for and by women. Um, can you speak to, when we're talking about the people that are impacted, when you're impacted, they're around the globe, right? Yeah, well, one of the things I, I love about our trips is is a lot of our guides that we employ are you know, our women. And so when we travel to places like the Italian Dolomites or Iceland or Spain or Ireland, we're, we're running with these local women. And so we're, we're getting to interact with, with, uh, the local culture through running like the running is the thing that brings us all together it's our shared interest and it's our the thing that we spend time doing together um but what a great way to get to know these other cultures um and and these women are just so amazing you know women who work as running guys are usually really interesting really fascinating <laughs> and have all kinds of crazy stories um, they're usually very adventurous and, and um, they just bring so much uh, in terms of just the richness of the, the, the area's culture. And, um, and uh, we, so we, we've, we've gained so much from getting to be in their company. So I'm really proud of the incredible women that we work with in all these places. Yeah, and that's in addition to our retreat leaders um, and our administrative staff you know, they're all female. And so it's just pretty cool um, that we get to do that, especially in an industry, in the adventure travel industry, which is mainly male dominated in terms of who the business owners are and who the guides are. It's mostly men. So I do feel really good about that, about the fact that that we uh, work with so many great women partners in all these places. Yeah, so cool. So, so cool. You've actually been helping women use mindfulness and running as part of their good self-care for, it sounds like, more than a decade. I've always thought that you must have a unique way of protecting your personal energy to be able to hold that safe space we've been talking about. And now you've leveraged that unique capability with the Healthy Runners community. How are you caring for yourself these days? I mean... Do you rely on others for support? Like what do is there an Eleanor Fish system? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, there's a few things I've really embraced about myself. And I know whether it's when I'm on the road for weeks at a time leading retreats in Europe, for example, um, or I'm working at home in between trips, getting ready to go on another retreat. Um, I take alone time and I need that and I love it. And I, I just, I need it. <laughs> I need to just be alone. And really, that's what really recharges me. Um, and then also, you know, my, my family, my husband is a wonderful source of support and he's always such a good sounding board. And so I, I'm really grateful for, for his support, but you know, as, as the company has gone on over the years, he used to listen to all my business sort of like brainstorms or tales of woe or challenges. And, <laughs> and over the years, like I've had to learn, it's like, okay, well, I, I, I can't come to him with everything. I need to actually <laughs> find some people who also work in this industry who can maybe relate a little bit more easily. Yeah, because I was overwhelming my husband with all these things. So <laughs> so now, like when it comes to more like business stuff, I, I now really excited to be a part of some wonderful associations and professional groups um, of people in the travel industry that, that are a great source of support and, and really like truly understand and, um, you know, the industry that, that I work in. Um, and then I, you know, have some wonderful people who are, you know, friends and, and colleagues, um, in kind of more of the spiritual space that I just look up to and admire and will go like take classes from, um, whether it's as simple as like 
going to a restorative yoga class um, with a good friend or um, or a longer workshop or something like that um, or just spend time with with friends that uh, that I know are are just really f- fun to be around and really wise and just help me kind of get out of my own head <laughs> when I need to and uh, and get a different perspective on things. Do you, you know, you say you take alone time. Do you do that at a certain frequency? So is it like, like how often do you say this is alone time? What are the rules around the solitude? Mm. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, I really like to, it's not super structured, I'd say, when I'm at home, though my though my husband and son know that that you can't really talk to mom before she's had her coffee. <laughs> so that's that's one thing. <laughs> yeah, it's like before coffee, useless. Like, don't tell me anything. Um, so I need to kind of ease into my day and, you know, uh, just to, yeah, move slowly first thing. Um, but... Uh, you know, when I'm traveling, that's where I love, like at the beginning and the end of a retreat, when I'm traveling to the destination or traveling home from the destination. I mean, I I love that time um, when I'm on the plane and in the airport. And when I get to my hotel the first night, I always arrive at the destination at least one day before the clients so that I just completely take all that time completely by myself. And I love it because I find it helps me just get really grounded and focused um, and prepared because once the clients show up, I am focused on them pretty much, you know, 12, uh, 15 hours a day. Um, and that's a lot. So it, uh, so when I'm on a retreat, it's very, it's very deliberate and, um, you know, like times that I find those little pockets of time where I can just kind of be on my own, whether it's, um, for five minutes when we're running on the trail, um, I'm not trying to make conversation the entire time, or we're driving from the, the hotel to the trailhead. I'll just sit and, and not chat with anyone or, um, yeah, at the end of the day, once we've all retired for the evening and, and, uh, finish dinner, I, I take that time at the end of the day to just kind of, um, unwind and relax, uh, so that I can be ready for the next day. But that's one of the things I love about the retreats is just it, 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 the whole time, it's very purposeful. Like every part of the day, it's not not structured. Like it doesn't feel um, overly structured. And that's something that our retreat clients are always talking about, how it doesn't feel scheduled. It feels very natural and or- organic and not too rushed. But that's by design. <laughs> so, so you guys don't notice just how actually everything is incredibly scheduled and yeah, and, it takes and all a lot the time of effort is, to make things yeah. look seamless and easy. Exactly. <laughs> but behind the scenes, yes, there's a lot of like very everything's very purposeful, and so I actually find that really helpful for me because I build into the like all the retreat leaders uh, have built in time by which they get to just focus on recharging themselves before the next set of activities that occur. And, um, and yeah, I, I've tried to institute that into my own life here at home and it's not quite the same, but there are definitely still some, some nuggets, uh, some practices that, that do, that do apply that can, that I can bring home. And, and part of that is, is, um, yeah, just finding those ways of being alone. Like these days it's, it's working in my garden. Like, I love that. I could just work in my garden, um, for a couple of hours and, and really savor that, um, and things like that. We tell, uh, we tell leaders it's important to create a backstage. Does that concept resonate with you? And what I'm thinking is that you've mentioned, for example, having married the right person. You've mentioned these professional groups that are really a strong source of support because they understand exactly your stress. Um, but you've also mentioned that you've been learning, you continue to learn within your area of expertise. And that sounds very much like backstage stage creation and activity. Um, what do you think? Oh yeah. Yeah. I think that is so important for 
anyone who's in a kind of leadership role. And I'll be honest, there was a few years there where I didn't allow myself that because it felt like a luxury. And I felt like, well, I can't take time and resources like money to reinvest in myself. And that quickly proved really detrimental to my own well-being because I, yeah, I just didn't feel like I had support and, and, um, you know, I just would, would really get more overwhelmed more often. So these days I, I've, I give myself that. Uh, and so right now, actually, in fact, I'm taking a leadership program that, I mean, it's four hours a week on Zoom. And I'm like, I don't know if I have time for this. I have so much going on. I shouldn't be spending four hours a week on Zoom calls with my leadership training group. But, but... I I now savor that time. I'm like, this is so valuable because someone else is holding the space. I'm not the leader. I am the student. And I need to, like, it forces me to take this time to do the exercises, to reflect and, and write um, about the stuff that, that I'm working on or that I'm struggling with, that I need to be working on that right now because without that clarity of what's going on within myself, I wouldn't be able to, to show up and do the work that I'm doing um, in my business for my staff and for my clients. So it's, uh, it, I think it's a wonderful thing to, to include that. And I've learned to, to not think of it as a luxury or even something that is indulgent or optional. It's actually pretty critical. No, you've, You've unfortunately learned so much of that wisdom a really hard way, um, but we are so thankful that you've like doubled back around to teach us how how to stay cognizant and how to be mindful um, in this in this juncture. So, you know, as I've been listening to you, and I'm thinking about someone who's actually burned out of her resilience capacity, who had to then go back and rebuild it, right? Like you, you burned out completely and then you had to redo it all again. And yet you've done it in such a cool and unique um, way that you're willing to share with all of us. And I just want to thank you so much for being really instrumental in instilling joy back into my own running career and helping me run to a hundred and helping me um, be more joyful in my life generally, and for taking the time today to really just have this conversation with me. Oh, gosh. Well, thank you, Carmen. It's, it's been such a joy and such a pleasure, and uh, I'm so honored. So thank you so much. So before we get off today, I'm going to um, give back to you the things that I've taken down as action steps for our listeners. And guys, usually I only come up with three, but I have more than three. It's like, it's a whole page. So here we go. Here are some of the things I thought were really wonderful that each one of us could take as an action step. And just one of these things, if we do them, will make us feel better today. First, name your triggers. Create a pause Use your body to help your mind before you respond. And that's going to help you show up in the way you want to be inside the world right now. Next, running can be self-care, but don't make exercise the only form of self-care that you invest in. The next one, listen to your body because you have to know when it's time to slow down. Next, Perfection is not required, and sometimes it's not really helpful. Decide what works for you. Carve out moments where you recognize what you need so you can perform better. I love that one, by the way. I'm always trying to get leaders to identify what they need, and they always know what everybody else does. So this one is a really critical one. Simplify and focus. So you said that when you were talking about clearing out um, all of the clutter in your external space. And once you focus on yourself first, then focus on the needs of others. And then I have two more. Take alone time and do it intentionally. 
And then the last one, oh, no, second to last one, marry the right person, but then distribute your stress among other people who can energize you and help you problem solve and who really understand your unique stress that you're under. And I'd say probably the last one that you might tell us all would be to be mindful that self-care can happen um, in an unscheduled way. It can happen if you're being mindful to what's going on inside your internal experience. And you can create those moments where you can just provide a little bit of self-care and it'll make your life just that much more enjoyable and reduce the overwhelm. Eleanor, did I miss anything? Oh my gosh, no. I think that was such a great uh, review. So thank you so much, Carmen. (laughs) If you like what you hear on Hello Health Today, please take the time to rate and review us. If you are looking for the Healthy Runners community, Eleanor, where should they go? HealthyRunnersCommunity.com. <laughs> if you're looking for Hello Health Today, the podcast inside a search engine, anywhere audio is found, please smush the words hello and health together, add a space and add the word today. We come up right away. Thank you much for listening. Until next time, remember, today is good, even when we're under fire. Hi, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. Because I am a medical doctor, it's important for me to tell you that nothing I say here in this podcast can substitute for your doctor's advice. My lawyers make me say the same thing this way. The contents of this podcast are neither intended nor implied to be relied on for medical diagnosis, care, or treatment concerning any individual. Under no circumstances does this podcast create a physician-patient relationship, nor does it constitute engagement in the practice of medicine or the provision of any healthcare service to an individual patient. This podcast should not be used as a substitute for professional diagnosis and treatment. Consult a healthcare provider before making any healthcare decisions or to obtain guidance about any medical conditions. The producers of this podcast expressly disclaimed responsibility and shall have no liability for any damages, loss, injury, or liability whatsoever suffered as a result of reliance on the information contained in this podcast.